0: Hi everybody, Um, if we haven't met yet, um, my name is Mark, and along with my wife Kara, we have the honor of leading the team that leads this church, Um, so if we haven't met, I look forward to meeting you. Um, If we haven't met online, you're watching online, um, shoot uh, shoot us an email at that contact at impactrock.com, and include your phone number, I'll give you a call, and I'd love to meet you over the phone, or we can Zoom, or whatever, but it's good to have everyone here. Today is a great day. Um, so Sarah, who was just up here and Chris, uh, they are joining our pastoral team today. That is very exciting. And we do honor, uh, their parents who are both sets of parents are there with us. You guys did a really good job raising some amazing people. So we honor you guys. Yeah. Um, in a minute, we're going to pray, uh, over, over the ties, over the offering. Um, and I tell you, you can't spend too much time in Scripture and not see the generosity of our God and that he loves to give. Um, he is a gift-giving God. We see in Ephesians uh, chapter 4 that he gives gifts to the church to strengthen the church, to bring us to a place of maturity and growth. And, and that's great news because who wants to stay in their immaturity? Um, and we grow. And um, so our God is a, is a gift giving God. If I can just kind of pause real quick. In our uh, At the end of our service today, um, Chris and Sarah will come up and um, Tyron and other apostolic gifts that are here with us today will be, um, will be laying hands on and, and ordaining Chris as an elder. And even in that, we have invited those gifts listed in Ephesians 4. We have invited them to come into this place and just be generous in the love of the Lord today, um, because our God is generous, and we do see this. I'll, I'll, I'll say this quick. I'm not preaching today, but but um, the elders, yeah, I <laughs> already, yeah, right. Um, uh, the elders here at Impact Rock. So Andy and I, we won't be setting in Chris as an elder because we don't see that that is a function. Of another elder, we see that that's a function of, of apostolic giving from the Lord. That that's an apostolic function. So here with us, um, we'll start with the right. So uh, Marlon and Charlotte Bender, um, they are part. Yeah, yeah, they're awesome. Um, they are part of the eldership team at Radiance Church in Commerce City. They're, they they led that church for the longest time, and now uh, Josiah, their son, with his wife Christy, lead that uh, that church. And they're part of the NCMI. Uh, translocal ministry team that we are in relationship with. Um, I'm going to skip over here and I'll go to the far end over here. We have Chris and Cheryl here, and they're, uh, yeah, we we, we got to cheer with each one, you guys. Um, we've already set the precedent, um, so they're also part of that team. And so then I'll kind of come to the middle. So Tyron and Nicole um, are here with us, and this is what's really cool, you guys. I want us to think big. Sometimes we just think Erie, Colorado, and I want us to think big. Um, When Ty is standing up here and and we've invited him to bring the word today, we're not just going to jump right into ordination and setting in. We want him to encourage the church and encourage you watching online with the word of God and point us to Jesus in the word and the end of the service. That's when we'll do that. But when Ty is up here, there could be somebody in South Africa watching going, I'm a part of, of this man's team and I partner with this man in doing the work of the Lord. There could be someone in India, but not there could be, if they're tuning in, There's people in India and Italy and France and right outside of Austin, Texas, and all over California and all over the world that say, "I am in partnership with this man on his team to advance the kingdom of God and to strengthen the body of Christ and to strengthen the church." So it is an honor. I I say that we're just we're we're so fortunate that he lives in that they live in Westminster, and that they're so close. Um, Because there's a lot of churches that would love to have um, Tyron come in and minister and strengthen as often as we do. Um, But they they don't live in Colorado. We do. So we're blessed. So um, we're going to pray over the offering real quick. um, And then I'm immediately going to call you up, Tyron. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and your faithfulness. And Lord Jesus, we want to be like you. We want to be like you. We want to sound like you. We want to look like you. We want to act like you. And we see that you are generous. And we see that you trust your Father. So in our giving today, we want to emulate those traits in you. We want to be generous, and we want to trust your awesome Father. So we give of everything that we have to give today, and we do so with joy. We give of money. We give of influence. We give of resources and time and service and everything we have to give. And we give of affection because you're good and this isn't about religious obligation. This is about that we have you. We have a relationship with you, Lord Jesus. So we, we give with faith, and Lord, we just thank you that we cannot outgive you. So, Lord, bless every act of faith of, of giving and service today, Lord. We thank you for this service. Holy Spirit, do that amazing thing you do where you speak to each one of us uniquely in the midst of this corporate word. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody, can we welcome Tyron to come up and encourage us in the Word? Thank you, sir.
1: Wonderful. Well, good morning, everybody. And it's uh, a real privilege to be with you today. I'm delighted. I live in Colorado as well. And I uh, love living in this great land, this great nation, this great region. And uh, I'm so delighted just to be a part of what God's doing here this morning. And uh, the privilege of just coming in and being able to share into the life of this church. We love our friendship, Mark. We really do, Mark and Kara. Appreciate just the friendship we have, the partnership in the gospel with this church. And uh, we love kingdom friendships. They uh, matter most. And they have eternal ramifications for what happens here on earth, too. And so we're delighted by that. Thank you for the opportunity, just to these other team guys as well, for coming in and celebrating with us this great moment. You know, we, we love partnership. We love working with local churches, and we love to celebrate in the big moments and the little moments. Uh, We love the journey we're on together, but this is a big moment for this church, and I don't want to overemphasize it, but it is a great moment when we celebrate bringing new people onto this leadership team, and I want to tell you that when God brings people on, it's not for what He's done or what He's doing, but it's almost for what He wants to do into the future. It's always a sign of a season, change. Into a new season right through scripture we see that whenever they were to take land and take territory and take ground first thing they did was put leaders in place for the season and so i do believe there's a shift in season for us here as a local church and but before we jump into that season i do want to highlight some things that god has been doing in this season and i think we're so good at moving to the next season that we don't always learn the lessons that are needed For the season we've been through, and so I'm going to ask if you've got a Bible, please turn with me uh, to the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter one. And uh, probably the understatement of the century is: these are crazy days that we're living in. How many of you believe these are absolutely crazy days that we're living in? And uh, what I want to say about these days is that we're not all in the same boat. And uh, I've heard many guys say, "Ah, well, we're all in the same boat." I love how Mark was able to just describe that we are part of something way bigger than just happening here in Colorado. We are, by the grace of God, working with people literally all over the world. And we celebrate what God's doing around the world. I want to tell you, this pandemic is global. It's not American. It's global. And I'm hearing many people say, ah, we're all in the same boat. And I want to say we're not. We're all in the same storm. This is a global storm that we're in. But I want to suggest we are all in very different boats. And that's important to understand because it's not just look at what's happening globally. It's what are you doing with us, Lord, as individuals in this room, in this local church? What are you saying to us in this storm? And so my challenge to you this morning, friends, is we don't just look at what everyone else is doing and find a way out of this. We do what it is God's called us to do. We address and adjust our own lives. And so the challenge this morning is for Impact Rock Church, what's happening in this boat, your boat? What's happening, in, happening in the, as individuals in this room and those online? What are you doing with what God's saying to you and I in this time and in this season? So same storm, but very, very different boats. And let me tell you, when you look through Scripture, when you read, even certainly in the New Testament, it's an amazing that even in the sweet spot of the will of God, we are in storms. We can find ourselves in storms. I think too many think, ah, oh, when we hit a storm... We've kind of stepped away from the will of God. Well, just read the Bible and you'll see that those, even the disciples, were told to get in the boat and go to the other side. And in the boat going to the other side, they hit a storm. In the sweet spot of the will of God, the storms are still there. And the Bible teaches us that we need to find Jesus in the storm. But I want to say it's not just finding Jesus in the storm. We also need to see the storm through the eyes of Jesus. I don't believe God sent this pandemic, and if you do, that's okay, but I don't believe He sent it, but I want to say, I do believe God allowed it, and how do I know He allowed it? Well, it happened. Therefore, He allowed it. And what I want to say, and most people want to throw rocks at me when I say this, and and I'm not saying how it probably has been the most difficult, of course it's been the most difficult season for us and in our lives, but I I want to almost suggest if this, if I can say, that it's been a blessing in disguise for you and I as God's people. Many people will say, well, we've been set back as the church. And And I want to say maybe, but I want to suggest perhaps we've been set up rather than set back. And if we are just trying to find Jesus in the storm and we're seeing our plans all on pause, I want to suggest, friends, God's plans are not on pause. We have not been set back. The church has been set up. And what God, we need to see what God's been doing in this season. Adjust accordingly so we has embraced this new day, this new season. For you as a local church, we've learned the lessons that God wants us to learn in and through the storm. Don't just try and find Jesus in the storm. Look through the lenses of Jesus to the storm we're in. Say, Lord, what is it you're teaching us and showing us? See, I want to tell you that the moment we are in does not pause the mission that we're on. It just adjusts us to come back to the things God's called us to do. There are three overarching truths from Scripture, from Genesis right through to Revelation, that that I believe if we truly believe them and and if we truly embrace them, then we can live through any season. We can live and make it through all seasons, and we can live with boldness and with clarity and with confidence. And, and, And the first thing is this, that God is sovereign. God is in control of everything. Now, I know in a season like this, it's hard to believe it. But He is, because the Bible says He's always in control. So this we've got to know, regardless of what lies ahead, regardless of where we're at. Friends, honestly, God governs. God's in control. He's in control of all things. And we can see that right through Scripture. Secondly, and Mark said it this morning, and Mark is one of these guys who always says something like this. God is good. God governs. Secondly, God is good. And let me tell you, not as a cliche, God is good all the time. Even in COVID shutdown, lockdown, with all the stuff we're facing right now. Even with these elections, I'm not getting political, but elections that are happening and all, God is good. And that's why Paul with conviction could write with absolute conviction in Romans chapter 8. We know what he says. He says in verse 28, And we know, that in all things, God works for the good, the goodness, the good of those who love Him, who've been called according to His purpose. God governs, He's sovereign, God is good all the time. And thirdly, God is gracious. Our, our, our friends, I haven't walked what you've walked through, but we're all walking through similar things. But I want to tell you, God is gracious. And He's extended grace to people in the season. And maybe we've been through some real challenges. Maybe you've lost income, lost job. I know some of you got sick and all. But let me just tell you, in all of this, God is always gracious. He's kind to His people, kind to those who don't deserve anything. God is always gracious. Jeremiah chapter 1, let's read in verse 4. And it's the call of Jeremiah. We'll pick up in verse 4. It says this. It says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you, in the womb, I knew you. Just pause for a moment and understand how much of destiny lies in God's people. God was speaking to Jeremiah and he said, before I formed you, I knew you. Before you were formed, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That's big picture. That's destiny, my friends. And and you must say, well, what's that got to do with us this morning? A whole lot. God is a God of destiny. God handpicks people for times and places. God determined the exact place and time where we should live, according to Acts chapter 17. God determined time and place. And we need a theology of time understanding 2020, with all the elections, all the unknowns, with this pandemic in the United States of America, God handpicked you, my dear friend, and me, to be here for such a time as this. Which means He gives us grace to be able to function and not make it, but live in the things God has for us in this time and in this season, regardless of the unknowns of what we're facing. I know I'm preaching to mostly the converted, and hopefully on the line, you're also converted. If you're not, you have a moment today to meet Jesus Christ. But I want to say this it's okay to amen this, but it's another thing to live this out. God wants to remind us, Impact Rock Church, before you were born, before you were formed, He set us apart. There's destiny and incredible opportunity, even in a shutdown and a global pandemic. God's got this, and He wants us to know He's handpicked people for such a time like this. And that means you in this room. Not some of us, all of us. Not those who feel deserving, all of us, because none of us deserve anything. Ah, verse 6, Ah, Sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak, and I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send to and say whatever I commanded. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you, and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. What a promise. We might sit here this morning and say, we've got all the excuses and the reasons why God can't use us. God says, I want to get rid of those excuses. It's not what you can do. It's what I've called you to. Friends, this is not a cheerleading session. This is revelation from the Father to His church this morning to say, adjust the way we're thinking and begin to think again what He said for what He's called us to. Who cares what people think? Straight up, who cares? I care what He says. Because what He says matters more than anything. What He spoke over us will be fulfilled because He said it. Not because we're it, because He said it. Verse 9, then the Lord reached out His hand. How awesome is this God? And He touched my mouth, anointed me to speak. And he said, now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Friends, when we read these verses, let me say this to you this morning. We've got to live with a sense of destiny again. We've got to live with a sense of dedication. We've got to live with a sense of determination. We've got to live with a sense of duty. Not weight of responsibility. But I want to tell you, with destiny always comes duty. I don't know where you're at, and I don't know what you've sensed, but over these last few months, I have sensed the destiny of God and the response of the duty God's given to us. And we can't let it go because of what we're facing. We've got to stick to it and not hang in and hold on, but live boldly and lead and lead boldly in a time and a season, regardless of what comes our way. God's got this. God's called us. God's appointed us. God's put His Word in our mouth to declare what it is God wants the world to hear. And in verse 11, it says, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? Jeremiah said, I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. You see, the sight of this tree is more than just a coincidence. Nature is a parable of God's working. He sees in this sign of the spring a sign that his hard frost is about to break and new life to spring up from the soil. To see the branch of an almond tree was to see a changing in season. Was to see that the fire, that the break of the cold and frost had been broken, and now we're beginning to see some fruit again. And this is what I want to challenge you and I with this morning, my dear friends, at Impact Rock Church. What do you see? Do you see the shift? But have we learned the lessons in what we've gone through so we don't have to go through them again? See, we are prophetic people, and I love being prophetic because it's always about the future, which means we can always see something better than what we're in right now. But the problem with being prophetic is we always want to live in the future and not adjust according to what God is and has been doing. So the question again, has this been a setback? Yes, it has been in our plans and if we're focusing on what we're doing. Has this been a setup? Yes, if we're focusing on His purpose and what it is He has been doing in this season. What do you see? When He says, I've seen the branch of an almond tree, the Lord said, you have seen correctly. Are we seeing correctly? Why? Because he goes on and says, For I am watching over my word to see my word fulfilled. You're not going to like what I'm about to say. There is no going back to pre-COVID days. I just want normality. I just want to go back to what was before COVID hit. Listen, friends, I'm not being negative. The good news is there's no going back to pre-COVID. COVID's here, COVID's come. And regardless of what happens to COVID, whether it goes or doesn't go, we're in another season and God doesn't want to take us back. God's brought us through to keep us going into something even greater. See, I, I, I can stand up and tell you all that I've lost in COVID. All the stuff we've been, I've been homebound, stuck at home, which is awesome to be stuck in Colorado. But I've never been this home this long. In 20-something years, I've been married. I've been on the road most of my life, and I've been stuck at home. It's been great. My marriage is awesome. I think so, babe, and my two my three sons. I mean, listen, what I'm trying to say is my whole world's been rocked through COVID. I'm not standing up here telling you it's all good. But what I am saying is God's got this, and we need to see what God's doing before we bounce into the next season and say, thank God 2020 is over. It's not over. And God's done some deep work in our darkest hour. God does the deepest work. Has He done it in you? And have you allowed Him to do it? And are you willing to adjust so when we do come out of this, we don't have to go back because there's no going back. Yes, I want the season over too, my goodness. I want some normality. But there's no pre-COVID. I've listened to leaders and pastors and churches say, I can't wait just to go back to something of what we were before. We're not going back. There's no future in our past. Let go. Let go. I love the book of Revelation. My son stood up here this morning and declared something of his love for the book of Revelation as do I love the book of Revelation. And when you read through the book of Revelation, there are four doors that are represented in the book of Revelation that I want to highlight again for us this morning. And the first door we see is this. He says that, I am God, that I open doors that no man can shut. And we all amen that. Thank God He's a door opener. Give us the doors that are open. And there are doors that are wide open in this season. We praise God for open doors of opportunity that we've had, that we'd never have had if we didn't have this pandemic hits. Oh, yes, God's the great door opener. But he also says, I'm the God who closes doors that no man can open. Oh, very quiet now. Yeah, why? Because we don't amen doors close. That must be the devil's work. The devil closed doors. No, God opens doors that no man can shut, and God closes doors that no man can open. And we should cheer amen for both, because God knows the doors that need to close. So some of us are thinking, when the season's over, we're going to head back and kick some of those doors that seem to have closed. Maybe God closed them, and we've just heard He closes doors, and if He closes them, you're not opening them. So may God give us the revelation and wisdom to know what doors he's closed and what doors are not open anymore. and so let's not waste our time going back to try and kick doors open that he's shut in order for us to walk through doors He's opened in this season. Are we OK? I'm excited. I'm not mad. I'm just happy. Some of us are mad. That's okay. I'm just trying to liberate us to our season. I've walked eight months of this. I've been carrying this stuff saying, Lord, I realize God's in control. If we believe this, then the doors you close, okay, they closed. How dare we try and kick them down again. But in doors closing, doors have opened, my friends. We've got to look to the doors that have opened. Those are the doors God's saying, no man can shut, walk through them. Then there's a third door we see in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter three. And it says, behold I stand at the door of your heart and knock. He's not talking to the unbelievers. He's talking to the church. And he's knocking at the heart, at the door of our, of, of our heart. And it's amazing that that's the only door that God can't open. The great door opener cannot open the door of your heart. He's knocking saying open your heart. In this season, there's been intimacy and there's there's been this coming back to the revelation of Jesus and coming back. And some of us, perhaps, forgive my boldness this morning, you online or you in this room, some of you still got your heart closed and the Lord says, open your heart that I can come in. Connect, not just save you, connect with you. Intimacy, the only door you and I keep closed, He says, open it and I'll come in. I'm knocking, I'm knocking. Let me tell you, if I was Jesus, I would stop knocking to people who don't open. But in His kindness, He knocks. He says, open up. Where are you at? What do you see? The fourth door. Revelation chapter 4. I looked up and I saw open heaven above us. The door of heaven open above us. Now, I know that means many things. But what I want to say to us is in our going forward in the season of change, we've got the backing Of heaven in what we've been called to do. Not to fulfill your destiny and your plans. To fulfill the call of God. The provision, friends. Not just people and finances. Anointing and opportunities. God is watching over with the backing of heaven. There's no going back. Where are you looking? What do you see? Can't go back challenge you to this this morning to say lord i'm settling that today we might have some of what was but we're not going back we don't want to go back can't long for what was it's over it's a new season god's doing some new thing can i say also we don't just look can't look back we must also not just look around i'm concerned the church is just getting so busy looking around right now and what everyone and what we're facing right now and it's determining who we are rather than what god said I know it's hard to live in a reality, especially with an election year. And again, I know it's real, friends. Who, how can you get away from it? You can't. You better vote. If you don't vote, then you have nothing to say when things don't go your way. And if you do vote and you don't get your president, it matters not. God's in control. And you might want to throw rocks at me, but you better be ready for your party not to win. Because God's faith is not in your party. I know you're mad at me because i got an accent, but I'm an American and I will vote, and I know what I'm voting for. But if my guy doesn't get in or my party, it means nothing to God because God's not waltzing. Just let me say this. He's not walking around in heaven going, Chief, the Republicans don't get in. I'm not sure what we're going to do. I hope we have another plan. Or if the Democrats don't get in, what are we going to do? Hey, God's ruling, France, And He's ruling all nations. So don't worry about just America. He's in control of everything. Don't look around. Cannot look around. I want to say we must be looking up. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? God asks often through the book of Isaiah. Who is my equal? No one. Who can you compare me to? No one. That's where we're looking. To him who's in control, who calls, who speaks, who leads, who has destiny, who's called people. He's the one we look to. And we need to be looking forward. Forward to the seasons of what God's had. So, the question, is this a setback? Or is this a set up? Isaiah 46, verse 10 and 11 says, I, speaking, this is God. He says, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. I say, this is God speaking, my purpose will stand. And I will do all that I please. From the east I summon a bird of prey. From a far off land, a man to fulfill my purpose. What I have said, I will bring about what I have planned. That will I do. God's got this. God's in control of every single thing, even when we don't know what we're doing. Proverbs 19, 21. Many are the plans in a man's heart. But it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Probably the most quoted verse right now in the the church. And I want to tell you, we have plans. The plans have been set back. But the purposes of God are not on pause while we work ourselves out. This mission's continued and He's bringing us back to the mission He has for us. Jeremiah 29:11 come on you could quote that with me for i know the plans i have for you says the lord plans to prosper you and to not to harm you to give you a hope and a future do you see that i'm not backing your plans i'm watching over my word to see it fulfilled i know the plans i have for you not your plans my plans for you I'm watching over those plans. Oh, that's Old Testament. Great. Ephesians chapter 1.11. In Him, we were also chosen, having predestined, been predestined according to the plan of Him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of His will. Are you, are you seeing this? We love to quote these and tell others, the Lord wants you to hear this this morning. He is working out His plan. Set up, set back, depends where you look. See, God's plans and purposes, friends, are not on pause through coronavirus. We got a prophetic word in, on 26th of March. That was six, seven months, six months ago. That's a while ago. Looking back, It's nice to have a prophetic word now and look back and say, ah, oh yeah, that's true. But this is what we got. Someone said in our ranks, a guy I trust very much, one of my friends on our team who leads a church in Australia, he's a prophetic guy. He said, while many say chaos, the Lord says convergence. That we to keep our focus on him and what he is doing. While it's a sobering time and the Lord wants us to open our eyes to stay in faith and connect with what He is doing. We may be in a shutdown with the coronavirus situation, but God says, do not be in a spiritual shutdown. This is the time for the church to shine, Isaiah chapter 60, and reach out with love and acts of kindness and creative expression Ramping up our prayer and spiritual warfare. 2020, and we all like, geez, can't we celebrate Christmas now? And then go straight into New Year because we're tired of 2020. Still got a couple of months left. We just wish we could delete. Let's repeat. Let's have a different... You know, I mean, I, we, people are putting their Christmas trees up thinking it's going to quickly move us out into the next year. And I mean, I get it. But here's what they said. 2020, that's what God's saying. 2020 is a significant year For us as convergence and breakout, despite what we see around us right now with the coronavirus and upheaval, God is moving in a time of shaking and a backdrop of chaos and uncertainty. Cities and nations and financial systems and economies and world leaders are being shaken. But Jesus is opening up opportunity for this to be our finest hour. Set up. Set back. Our finest hour to occupy and possess a delightful inheritance to be a blessing to all nations. This is the time to arise and shine. That was spoken of in March of this year, in lockdown globally. Set back, set up. Well, in my few moments left, what has God been doing? Can I can I highlight a few things? And not you, God, I'm glad you're doing it out there. God's doing it with us in this room. Have we allowed Him and have we adjusted before we move into the next season of seeing the branch of an almond tree? That's what He's asking of us. But I'm worried as I watch people trying to jump into another season and not have adjusted our lives. What a waste. And we all want God to speak. I'm like, God, speaks speak. I'm desperate always to hear God. You know what happens when God speaks? We just move on. We, we don't honor the voice of the Father. We don't honor the word he speaks. We're just quick for the next rather than, what have you done? What are you doing? What are you saying, Lord? Help me adjust so I can be part of what you're doing into the future by adjusting to what you've done in the present. Are you cool? Is that okay, Mark? Mark, I live next door, but he gets me in once every five years. or something. No, I'm just joking. I'm kidding. Just a joke. Just trying to bring some light. Just joking. you out there. We, we're good. What is God doing in this season? Well, I want to just quickly highlight a few. Number one, God is reclaiming His church. And His church is us, not the buildings, the people. I I don't believe that it's the self-indulgent culture of the church that hinders the progress of the gospel. I don't believe the majority of Christians, even in this nation, we're not in... We're not self-indulgent. I think we're serious about the purpose of God. I think the majority of us are serious about the will of God and the plans of God. So I don't think it's the selfish, or self-indulgent culture that's hindering our progress. I'll tell you what it is. It's the self-sufficient mentality in the church. <laughs> we think we know what we're doing and we know what we're called to do and we've almost got good at doing what we're doing that we've got to a place where we think we can do it without Him. Listen, I, I, we've been in ministry many years. We lead this thing globally. We've got church histories, 45, 50 years of church planning, of taking nations. Uh, can I say we know how to do meetings? We know how to do conferences. I mean, we've got, we've got some history. We've got some experience and some God's success. That we're almost like, hey, Lord, we know what we're called to. We're not about ourselves. We're about your purposes, but we've been doing things without Him. And then suddenly this pandemic hit, and suddenly we all realized we cannot do anything without Him. We can't even meet. We don't even know what we're doing anymore. We're on our knees saying, how do we meet, and what does it look like? And the Lord said, okay, I've brought you back. John chapter 15, vine and the branches. That's been a moment for us, and God wants us to be a lifestyle, saying you cannot do anything without me. Jesus made that very clear. So let me just tell you, all He's done is He's... We were running with momentum, all busy with a whole lot of stuff. Got this, God. We know what we're doing. And the Lord said, boom, one day, the whole world, boom, stop. Now what are you going to do? Well, we're going to turn to you and say, what must we do? Good. I'm reclaiming my church. I'm taking my church back. So let me ask you, have you allowed him to take you back, ma'am, sir? Is Impact Rock back to belonging to the Lord? Or, oh, we got this, God. Just give us the go-ahead. Let us run again. Let us get back to pre-COVID days. We know what we did. And the Lord says, apart from me, you can do nothing. How's it working out, friend? I stand up here saying, there was a lot of stuff we were doing without him, for him. But he brought us back to say, without me, you can do nothing. No fruit. See, God hasn't stopped what He's doing through this pandemic. He paused what we are doing to reveal to us again what He is doing and to remind us that without Him we can't do anything. Thank you for that, Lord. Connection with Him matters, John 15. Our communion with Him matters, which stirs our call. Birth. Our call is birthed in communion with Him. And it is strengthened in communion with Him. You know, too many churchgoers our great nation, are happy to go and connect with Moses, the man of God, rather than go up the mountain themselves to connect with God themselves. We'd rather hang out with church leaders who've been up the mountain and tell us what God says. We take selfies with them, men of God, people of God. Listen, I'm a preacher standing here saying that's who I am, but how can I replace you going up the mountain yourself? America Church, those days are over. God's not allowing us to go to the man of God instead of go up the mountain ourselves. You and I have the privilege. And let's be honest, it's harder going up the mountain ourselves. It's easier to connect with someone who's been up there to tell us what to do. But God says, this is not an old covenant truth. I have come that you go up the mountain for yourself. I've been studying church history over the season of being locked up. You know what's interesting is that many of these movements in the early church or in church history that have really had radical impact were started by men and women. The founders or the founding generation had such revelation of Jesus for themselves. They had such a relationship with Jesus that in a sense they were out there and they did radical things. that changed history. But if you study those movements on, you realize quickly... That they've lost their way and they radical movements that were impacting nations for the world, uh, for Jesus, ended up dying off. You want to know why they died? Because the, 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 the following generation had connection with the founding generation rather than with Jesus themselves. They were so connected to the leaders, they weren't connected to Jesus. Let me tell you, friends, we need to stay connected. Even ordaining these wonderful new leaders on your team, you've got to obviously get behind what God's called them to. But you get the privilege of going up the mountain yourself. And that's what the Lord's highlighted in this time. Come to me yourself, rather than go through some man or some woman. God, Jesus is the mediator who made the way for us to go all the time. He's not going to let us play that game of go to the man of God at the expense of going to God ourselves. You there? There's a reset. Secondly, quickly, there's a reset. I believe God's resetting the church. Has reset. Is reset. I know some of the people. I know pastors who've said there's no such thing. There is a thing. That's what's happened. Why? Because there's a reset. We've been so busy doing stuff. That's not required of us. And friends, we all are. Come on. Let's just be honest. I mean, we get so busy. We all. I don't know anyone who hasn't been busy. You know, momentum's an awesome thing. We all want momentum again so we can keep running. But in momentum, you just keep running and you know there are things that shouldn't do or shouldn't be doing. Or, and we're just like, oh, we're so busy. We just, and then suddenly God stopped it all and said, now deal with it. So we've been too focused on doing church rather than being the church. The Lord just changed that. Be the church. Someone said to me, it's like the makeup of the church has been removed. Now it's time for the real heart of the church to be revealed. Now, makeup's not bad. I won't say any more than that. And I said, because it hides the blemishes. Now, my wife said, no, it enhances your features. So, okay, it enhances our features and it hides the blemishes. And that's okay. But here's what's amazing. It's like we're so quick to want to put the makeup back on. The church is quickly, let's hide. And the Lord said, rather than hide the blemishes, deal with the blemishes. Now's our season to deal with the stuff that needs to be. Don't hide it. Deal with it. And so there's this reset. There's a shifting from programs in our great nation, the church, to people. We're not anti-programs, but we are program-driven at the expense of people. Jesus didn't come for our program. He came for people. And so suddenly in our great nation, the church is reset to people matter more than programs. There's a greater commitment to the mission we're involved in rather than the methods. There's a shifting from to to team ministry rather than one-man shows. Team ministry where biblical functions and gifting, building around gifts rather than just having people carry some responsibility. I love this. There's a turning from competition to collaboration. Churches are no longer competing. You know, the local church has never been more local. We need each other more than ever before. And I love that. No more competing. It's like, how do we work together? Finding ways in God to take our cities, reach people, meet again, gather, shut down, open. Are we opening? Who knows? But we know how to function anyway because mission matters again. Shifting from empowering people to equipping. I think we've empowered many people. We haven't equipped them. And this season, God's saying, get back to equipping people. How to rather than just giving them the authority to show them how. I think there's a focused energy on true church. And in no way is this an accusation to people watching. But I want to say that our pastors are, are, are distraught in this season because they're not sure who's still part of the church. And not because they need numbers, because they care for the people God's given them. Do you understand that? Right? It's not about how many people show up. It's about who's God entrusted to us. It's very hard to know right now. And they want to say, how are we going to stand responsible for people? We don't even know if they want to be back, are coming back. Friends, we need to come back to some reality here. So we we might not be able to come back to meetings, but this is our home church and we still need people to buy in. And right now, there's this moving from attenders to participators. See, we're a lot of attenders in the church, but now we see who the real participator. And I'm not saying you have to be here, friends. I'm just saying, are you participating or are you attending? Because there's this great purge that's happening in the church. And I think it's good on this side of eternity to know so we can adjust it. Rather than that side of eternity when we think that's the goodness of God. There's a greater, and I love this, there's a greater dependence on the supernatural work of God. You know, friends, the church in our great nation is tired of endless filling of calendars that don't require God. All we want to do is be a part of something we can't do without Him. And now, in weakness, we set out on a journey of faith. God's got His church back to where He wants it to be. There's a refocusing. I'm going to land. I've got too many. There's a refocusing. See, for too long, we've got to our agenda from the world, friends, rather than the Word of God. We've allowed what's happening out there to determine what we say here. God shifted that to say, come back to my word. The word of God determines who we are and what we, how we respond to people out there. And so I, I just want to tell you that, that we, the, the church is too over-politicized and under-gospelized. And, and I'm an American who cares about America. I'm just being straight. I think we care too much politically and we're throwing slogans rather than truth. Psalm 119.89 says this, Your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. If God's word has settled in heaven forever, well then it's settled here on earth forever. We don't need concepts and ideas and slogans. We need the word of God. And you know what the Word of God does, friends? It brings us back to the revelation of Jesus as Master. We need Master revelation. See, the main thing is to keep the main one, Jesus, as the main thing. And the Bible does that. Jesus and anything is not going to happen. Jesus and justice does not exist in the Bible. It's Jesus first then justice. Are you there? Jesus and church planting. That's our thing. Jesus, king and kingdom. Whatever your end is, what I've realized, the cause, if it's on the same line as Jesus, the cause becomes, we don't default to Jesus, we default to cause driven. And My dear friends, just look around the nation of this great country, the church in our nation. We are cause driven. That's dividing people. Even good cause will divide because... We've put our cause next to Jesus. In Colossians chapter one, the Bible says that in all things he will have supremacy, preeminence, He will have first place in everything. and we've allowed other things to take His place, because we've put other things next to him rather than under him. Whatever your cause is needs to come under Christ, otherwise it'll take the place of Christ. You there? Now, Leonardo da Vinci was this famous painter. And uh, he painted this painting called uh, The Last Supper. It was like the, 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 his crown of all of his paintings. And they say before he took that painting public, he, he called a few of his friends when he had finished painting it to come have a look at it. And some of his friends went over there and had a look. And they were like, wow, that's an amazing painting. And what they did was they saw that in, in, in um, the hand of Jesus there was a cup in his hand. And the disciples, I mean, the, 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 the people seeing it, his friends said, wow, that's an amazing cup. And they, they were so remarked and wowed by the cup that, he, uh, geez, that Leonardo da Vinci took his, paint, his paintbrush and he painted over the cup. And his friends said, why did you do that? And he said, because nothing should ever distract from the figure of Jesus. And so if you look at this painting today, it's empty. The hands of Jesus are empty. But the original actually had a cup that people were wowed by that He removed the cup from the hand of Jesus. Do you know that that cup represents the work of the cross? That cup represents the blood. But can I tell you, the blood and the work can at at times take the place of Jesus in our lives. Nothing has any significance if it's not Jesus. A, A cross without Christ is a tree. Irrelevant. The thing that gives significance to the cross is Jesus. The thing that gives significance to the work of the cross is Jesus. The thing that gives significance to this church is not good preaching, teaching, apostolic foundation. It's Jesus Christ. The thing that gives you significance is nothing but Jesus. The only reason we have significance is because of Jesus. Nothing can take the place. Nothing must be next to Him. It's Jesus then, not Jesus and. You can't read the Bible and see anything else. Maybe I'm just while I'm here. A Jesus of our culture is not the Jesus of our Bible. We choose. You want to be a Jesus? we want to, We almost bring in Jesus to our way of living. Somebody, I mean, the Bible says that God made us In His image. And we return the favor. Trying to make Him in our image. A Jesus that looks like me, or or becomes like me, is not the real Jesus at all. I have to change to become more like Him. Not He changes to become more like me. Are you
2: there?
1: Just let me land with this. I had too many other points. Sorry, Mark. But we need to move to this ordination before they change their mind. Actually, it's not too late, Chris. The hands are laid on you. So you don't want to say no after this. I'm just kidding. Well, I'm not, but I'm kidding. (laughs) Just playing with you guys. Sarah, you want to say yes. I think Chris is nervous, but no, I'm joking. Well, I hope you're nervous, Chris. Can can I say this thing of mission? You know, I'm really trying to walk carefully and humbly here this morning. But there's such an a push in the church today about the return of Jesus, the end times with what's happening right now. And maybe you're in that. See, I, I've always said that I believe Jesus is coming back in my lifetime. If I'm wrong, it doesn't matter. If I'm right, it matters. I, I've always said I believe Jesus is coming back while I, Nicole and I are leading NCMI. And again, if we're wrong, it doesn't matter. If we're right, it does matter. Yeah, Paul thought in his day Jesus was coming back and Jesus didn't come back. But look how he lived. The early church believed in their lifetime Jesus was coming back and he didn't. But look what they did. So I want to say this. I do believe Jesus is coming back and it could be sooner. And I'm amazed how many people are saying it's now. I mean, we've got people quoting it's now. Literally, Go, don't YouTube it. But if you did, you'll see they've got the day, the time, and they've been wrong so far for 2,000 years. And so it's brought this fear and this anxiety on God's people. Oh, and get your guns ready and get ready and brace yourself for the 4th of November. And and I want to just tell you, oh, you insane. Have you read the Bible? I'm trying to bring liberty to you this morning. Read the Bible. Show me that in the Bible. It doesn't exist. Jesus is coming back, and it could be soon, and it could be today. And the question is, are you ready? And when I ask people that, because everyone finds out I'm a preacher or pastor, I mean, cops pull me over, I talk to them, and, and, and I say, you know, they're like, are oh, you a pastor? Do you think this is the end? I'm like, well, maybe. And I'm like, are you ready if it is? And they, I think so. I'm like, well, that's not good enough. You better not think so. You better know. And I'll tell you how you know. Do you believe in everything he's done? Because if you've made promises to him, you're not ready. If you believed his promise to you, then you're ready. But you better be ready, and it could be soon. And I think we are 2,000 years closer than Paul's day, but I don't believe it's on the 4th of November. How do we think that American politics moves the hand of God around the world? I mean, who do we think we are with all due respect? American politics. Okay, now that this president's in or not in, I can now come back. Imagine, Imagine the Lord saying that. I know you're mad. Just hear me out. You see, the the thing I want to say here is that the disciples faced the same thing. And they went to Jesus in Acts chapter 1 and they said, Jesus, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? What were they doing? They were conflating religion, politics, nationalism, eschatology, and they were making it about Israel. And Jesus looked at them and said, it's not, you listen, it's not for you to know the times and dates that my father has set by his own authority. What? Wow. And then he said, oh, well, that's good enough. But then he goes on and he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the outermost parts of the earth. Are you hearing this? He said, I'm not going to give you knowledge of times, which we all think we know. He said, I'm going to give you power for mission. See, we do that the same. We conflate politics, presidents, parties, pandemic, conspiracy. And we put it all together. And then we throw in religion. We throw in prophetic dreams and, and we say, Jesus is coming back. You better be ready. It's now. Brace yourself. Guns ready. Let's read the Bible. we put in fear, not, not God fear, flesh fear. You know what he says? Your focus should be mission, not when I'm coming back. We are so focused on coming back, we forgot there's a mission my favorite in the end times is not just the book of daniel and book of revelation just jesus himself in matthew 24 again his disciples came and said jesus give us a sign what will be the signs how will we know and jesus said first thing he said be careful that no one deceives you mm, whoa pause what really i think we're deceived men of God are dreaming dreams. And I'm not saying they're wrong or right. I'm just saying that's not the focus. Jesus said, be sure that no one deceives you. What did he go on and I said? But these things will begin to happen. And pandemics, yes, and nations will rise up. And these are the birth pains, the beginning. Right? And then Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testimony of, to all nations. And then the end will come. Again, another question. Is this the end? Tell us how we'll know. And Jesus said, don't get caught up in that. He answers the question again with mission. This gospel must be preached to all nations. Are you, are you hearing this? Listen, I, I know these are troubling days and uncertain days. And Jesus could come back right now. But I want to tell you what he's called us to focus on. His mission. Not trying to work out The times. I know some of you are mad at me and I ask you not to be. I just ask you to read the Bible in its entirety. Jesus is coming back and if you're not ready, you need to be ready. And it's not based on anything you've done. It's on everything He's done. But you better accept that and receive that before it's too late. But then we live with absolute destiny that now's the time to tell the world to ready them for when He does come. Don't go hide in a bunker. Don't go underground. Start freaking out. By all the, we're not called. I can't see that in the Bible. I can see that in prophecy, but not in Scripture. And I choose to believe the Word of God. Not even people out there whose hearts are good, but have lost their way. Imagine the church in hiding. The solution to the people around us goes hiding because we're scared. When the Lord said, your finest hour. I know I've challenged some of us. I'm just telling you, God's not looking to the political arena of America to decide what he's going to do around the world. He wants what he wants. But let me tell you, even if we get someone we don't want, and I know nothing, I'm not prophesying anything. I'm just saying, are you ready to still serve the Lord if you don't get what you vote for? Because God is in absolute control. And the church's finest hour is now. God's released us from things to release us into greater things. And I believe at the beginning of this year, God spoke to me as a season of release, and then we got shut down. People said to me, well, how's that? Working out, Tyrant?" Well, I've never claimed to be a prophet, but, but I look back and say, in this lockdown, God's released us from so much. Why? To release us into something greater before we bounce into the next, can I pray before we bring these guys up? Just for a moment. Is that okay? I just don't want to lose this moment. It's a great moment. Celebration. Can I just ask you to close your eyes for a minute before we get Chris and Sarah up for our ordination? I do want to just... I just want to ask you, please, would you adjust and address what you need to in your boat? Your life. I honestly couldn't do away with preaching this. I wanted to share some real vision stuff for where you guys are going. But I felt like I would dishonor God if I didn't speak about what He's done. And a challenge to us, have you responded to what He's done? Don't waste these last six, seven months. Has He done that in you? Have you allowed Him? Because He won't make it happen. He's looking for people to surrender. So I just want to ask you, if you need to, just have that moment. And just right here is your moment. Say, so Father, I, I don't want to miss what You've done. I don't want to see the plans that I have feel like have been set back. I want to see what You've called me to see, the branch of an almond tree. I want to see correctly. Meaning, you've set me up, but I need to adjust my life, my ways, in this moment, come back to realigning with you. And so, Lord, I just pray for my friends in this room right now. I think all of us, if we're honest, need to come to that place those who know they need to, would you just meet with them right here? Would you liberate? Set them free? Would you adjust this thing of, we can't do anything without you. We don't want to try anymore. You're repositioning us to have your heart. Realigning us with your heart. I don't want to just declare your praises, I want to show people who you are. And even with all the uncertainty and even the selection, Lord, I just pray for such courage that we believe you and your word. That we can't do a lot about what's happening. We, we can't change our past and to be honest, the future's not in our hands, it's in yours. But We can adjust and we know you meet us where we're at. We don't want to just make it through the season. We we don't. We want to thrive. We want to live with destiny. Duty, determination. So whatever needs to be done, would you do it right here, right now? Come Holy Spirit. Just touch lives. Liberate your people. I don't know everyone in this room. Just keep your eyes closed, please. But I don't know everyone in this room. But I feel like I need to ask you, are you ready? If Jesus does come back today, are you ready? That's not a fearful thing. It's something you need certainty on, friend. And the awesomeness about this is we get certainty because of the finished work of the cross. I want to say again, I'm not saved by making promises to God. Because if I am, my promises are broken all the time because they're based on me. Then you better doubt salvation. But we are saved by believing His promise to us. And it's never changed, even in COVID. So if you this morning will say, geez, Tyron, I need to settle this today. I don't want to hope I'm ready. I want to know I'm ready. And I'm going to ask you, with no one looking around, would you just put your hand up? I'm not going to call you out. I just want to pray for you. Is there anyone here who said, that's me? And I just want to settle this. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else? Just put your hand up. Settle this today, friend. If it's not settled, settle it now. That's the goodness of God this morning. All right, so there's a hand or two that's gone up. Would you just pray this in your heart? Say, Father, I thank you today that Jesus Christ is the only reason this can be settled for me. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on that cross. That's what gave that cross significance. You've also been raised from the dead. And because of your death and your resurrection, and only because of that, I choose to believe that promise that there's no other name by which man can be saved but by the name of Jesus. And so because of your finished work and your promise to me, I receive that gift of salvation. I receive you as Lord and Savior. Today, my eternity is settled. It's not in question anymore. I turn from my old ways and I turn towards you, Jesus, to follow you. Would you secure my eternity? My name is written in heaven. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for settling this. Let me not doubt this anymore. I believe your promise to me. That's what gives me salvation. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's go. Chris Chris and Sarah, would you guys come out here and the rest of the team, guys? And come out here and the rest, also Andy and Kim and you two please come the team. We are going to do what we came to do. Thank you for your patience earlier, friends, and uh, I gave Chris and Sarah so much opportunity to get out of this, but they just, I'm just joking, (laughs) You can't leave us, eh? All right, so this is a super exciting time, it really is, and for me, I just need you guys to know that we have spent time together, we've equipped, we've trained, Uh, I want you to know that I don't whatever it's worth to you we, we we are we take this very seriously and the people i've been asked to ordain in pastor i've said no i just don't have the faith for it why i'm saying that is i don't just do this because i'm asked to i really do this if i got conviction for this and i know you're not a perfect couple of people but you are a great great people and uh i think the day i met you or the first time certainly near this when i met these guys for the first time i felt like gee, you guys carry this governance it's not something you choose it's something god gives and it's not something like hey i want to be or pick me coach it's the lord po- chooses and we we do believe that please hear that friends i'm not trying to elevate you because it's them people they're humans but we believe god chooses elders man doesn't choose elders um and that's a big thing because if god chooses them god's very particular about who he wants to lead in his church this is his church it's not Mark and Kara's church, and they're doing a great job serving God. But this is a God thing. It's a God church. Therefore, God chooses what He wants. we just submit and see what He's doing and say, okay, Lord, we see that. And so it, it, this is a huge, huge opportunity, privilege for myself and Nicole and for us as a team to just kind of be a part of this day. And uh, we have spent time and we've talked about what eldering means and what it looks like and try to chase you away. You still wouldn't run then because you know what God's called you to. Um, but I, I want to say this to you guys again, to state the obvious, um, that eldership, and that's what you guys are coming on to, this eldership team with these guys, uh, pastoral role, it's a high and holy calling. It has wonderful rewards, but it also has awesome responsibilities. It's exciting, but I, I want to say it's also frightening. And when I said earlier, you are not nervous? I hope you are nervous because this is a big deal. But uh, not to live in fear, but it's frightening that God is entrusting to you to lead His people. The ones that Jesus purchased with His blood, He paid for them. They belong to Him. And He picks you to lead them. It's radical. It's overwhelming. Um, It's exciting, but it's frightening. It's to see people loved and cared for. But it's also to see their potential being fulfilled. Yet to know that much has been given, much is required. I want to also say it involves the local church, what's happening here with these wonderful people and those online. That's what this role is about. It's uh, responsibilities and possibilities with this local church. I read this to you when we were talking before in our meeting, but uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, as Peter writing as an elder to the elders, and he says in verse 2, he says, be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care. Watching over them, not because you must, but because you're willing. As God wants you to be, not pursuing dishonest gain, but eager to serve. Not be served by the people, but you're here to serve God by serving the people. He goes on, he says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to these people. So I believe kingdom leadership, it's a good reminder for all of us in leadership, is about knowing the way, showing the way, and going the way. In other words, being examples. Not telling people to do things they wouldn't do, but leading by example. Follow me as I follow Jesus. That's the awesomeness about eldering and pastoring is we're in the front leading. We're not at the back demanding and commanding. We're saying follow us. And that's why he said you need to be an example to these wonderful people. And then verse 4 is the key to it. And when the chief shepherd appears, that being Jesus, when he comes back, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade. So I believe what he's saying is if you want recognition here on earth, don't be an elder. You will be recognized, but your recognition is not or your award's not here. The stuff we go through as elders and leaders. And again, it's awesome and it's responsible, but it's painful because sheep bite. Just thought I'd throw that out there. We love to blame the shepherds. Yeah, sheep bite. And in saying that, you've got to love these people regardless. Love them and lead them. And your reward's not here on earth. It'll be forever, for eternity, when the chief shepherd appears. That's why we do what we do. But your task is to guard the gospel. Of the kingdom, number one. Which means you're called to please God, not man. Are you hearing that, people? Their job as an eldership team is to please God first. Which is very difficult in a day and age like this because everyone wants to be pleased. We're going to leave the church if our elders don't please us. We've got to please God first. In pleasing God, we can lead people well. So I want to just again remind you, your job with this leadership team, eldership team, is to please God first. The way you guard the church is by guarding the gospel of the kingdom. Making sure what you're involved in is kingdom, big picture. Not shrinking it down to the needs, but keeping it the big thing God's called you to be a part of. Please Him first. I want to again say, we serve her, but she's not our master. He is the master. We're going to give account to Him for her, not to her for Him. God, the message of the gospel and the revelation of Jesus. God, the mandate to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Make disciples, followers of Jesus, making followers of Jesus. God, the ministry, the power of the Holy Spirit, and walk in the power of His, and show people and reveal who Christ is to you. Don't tell them something you're not walking in yourself. And the mission, and all done in the context of the King. So number one is to God the gospel of the kingdom. Second is to guide and shepherd this wonderful sheep. And um, Psalm 78 verse 72 says, And David shepherded them with integrity of heart and skillful hands he led them. See, I think true shepherding, authentic shepherding, actually is more about heart than anything else. And in a sense, heart is why do I do what I do? Not to get anything from anyone. There's no integrity of heart. If I do this for someone, they're going to like me. Integrity of heart means I do this regardless of what I get. That's it, and skillful hands. I believe God has given you integrity of heart and skillful hands to add to this team in leading God's people. It's not something you've caught. It's something God's given you. You can't read books for it. He's given it to you. But it's out of integrity of heart, shepherd these wonderful people. You have authority over this church he's given you, but you cannot lord it over her. You fight the enemy, but you never fight the church. You're to build her up, strengthen her. Thirdly, you're called to govern, to lead. And that's what I want to suggest this role is too. It's not just to guard the gospel. It's not just to to shepherd, but it's to lead. And we need leaders, leading God's people in this. Lead the mission. Lead, feed, and love these sheep. But also, not just locally, I just want to say how your role involves being translocal and uh, working with other city eldership and leaders around the city and the the region, honoring other churches and leaders too. It's not just what God's doing here. It's honoring what God's doing elsewhere. Thirdly, it involves this translocal understanding, working with an apostolic prophetic team, which you have been and do, but it's understanding your role, what you're doing here, as well as what you're involved in globally. So to you guys, to the elders, to Chris and Sarah, and it's by the grace of God you say these things, I understand that. But I want to ask you, do you believe that you've been called by God, not chosen by man, called by God, to be a part of this wonderful team that leads and cares for these wonderful people in through this next season? Do you believe God's called you to do this? That's good. Thank you. If you said no, it would be over. Uh, so it's not we picking you, they haven't picked you. That's been a result of God calling And that's the thing for you to realize. And if you you do believe that, that's great. That's a good start, right? (laughs) Secondly, by the grace of God, I understand. But will you serve them? Will you love them? Will you care for them, admonish them, correct and rebuke them and encourage them all in the fear of the Lord? Good. By the grace of God. Will you seek also to honor the other ministries in this region and elsewhere? Do your best to promote and practice the unity of the Spirit of which God commands in Ephesians chapter 4. Good. That's good. So far so good, yeah? Yeah. If this is your local church, I'm going to ask you just to respond to this question I ask you as I've asked them. And again, it's by the grace of God and those online, if this is your home church, try and declare it or text it or something. But let me ask you, if this is your home church, will you support, will you pray for, and will you obey these wonderful servants of God? Yeah, maybe I can. That's great. Mm, can't do this. Sorry, Chris. This is, No, no, I'm uh, By the grace of God. Can I also ask you this, the congregation, will you seek to lighten their load by joyfully responding and submitting to them in the things of God? This is just going too easy, Mark. There's no nosy. All right, before I pray, I want to ask, are there any, I know we have some prophetic people in the room, and if if you do have something prophetically, I think Mark's already said that or suggested, but if any of you guys out there do have something, please write it down or catch them straight after the meeting and just share it with them. But don't not share it, because right now this is a great moment, but reality kicks in as things begin to happen, and it's wonderful to hear the words of God spoken over them. So please, if you have something, just for time's sake, we can't let everyone come out here. But your word as is, is as important as those standing up here. But we just don't have time for everyone, all right? So, but your word matters, all right? So write it down and put your name on it. If you're not willing to put your name on it, please don't give it to them but, or share it with them. But are there any? I'm sure Charlotte, why are you running away? You, uh, Chris, all right, so are you guys good? I'm going to just hand over to some of these guys to just speak some stuff. Is that cool? Come out your mark. I know you're hiding over there, but... And then, Kim, also, if you have anything, please feel free. This is your team, right? So if you have anything you want to say publicly, that's great.
2: Yeah, um, just during the whole time. And this is for you guys. This is for you guys as a team. This is for you as a church. And it's just that reminder in Isaiah 54. Um, When God increases the capacity of a leadership, it's for a purpose of increase. And understand, especially for you as a church, Them coming on is not just to add to a pastoral team. It's for the purpose of God increasing this church, its influence, its impact, and its ability to do what God's called you to do. And in Isaiah, he says, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. Um, You will forget the shame of your youth and remember the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. And for you guys as you step into this, no fear, no hesitation. There are no junior elders. You don't work your way into actually being. You are what God anoints you and ordains you to be. And for you two, as you step into this, run. Run in the things of God. Walking in team, not lone soldiers, but that's not who you are anyway. But run with what God has. Enlarge yourselves, because as soon as you step into the anointing, everything you've had has always been God, but there's an increase that comes. Expect it. Let Him use you in it and begin to gather in and equip and raise up others. That capacity, that enlargement is for kingdom things.
3: I would just like to encourage you to set yourself in agreement and in unity. At the end of the day, there has to be the unity together. And there's plenty of opportunity to disagree. There's plenty of opportunities that come up that you wonder what, why he's doing what he's doing and stuff. But at the end of the day, you set yourself in agreement so that you can keep going forward. When I was following, there was times... I would, I would say, I would never do that. I, what, are, what are they doing? When I was leading, people would come up and say all kinds of questions and What are you doing? There were times when I wanted to say, I don't know. <laughs> but I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that the Lord was leading us, and um, and 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 that's always a thing, so we can lead confidently and move ahead forward. But you can't do that when there's disunity and discord. And I think sometimes there's times when we can't see we're in the soup and we can't see the horizon. So there's no, you can't keep things straight. Um, and there's, there's times when you're, you think you're going straight, but the instrument says you're losing altitude, pull up, or you'll crash and burn. And so sometimes when we can't see the horizon, we default to our feelings and what we feel we can feel like we're going straight, but we're actually losing altitude. And so we've got to, we walk by faith and not by sight. And we know that. But in this time especially, I think God is calling us to, hey, we need to fly by our instruments. What the, what the instruments say, if we need to pull up. We can be flying in a big arc, and we need to get our heading straight. And that comes from the Word of God. in our heart, as Tyron was talking about, our heart being right, um, with the Lord, so I just want to encourage you: walk together in, in unity, talk things out. But in the end of the day, we have a lead pastor, and that's there for a purpose and a reason. And we all go together in the same. Even if you disagree, we put ourselves in agreement. Amen. So we can move, move forward. Amen.
4: I just had a couple of scriptures for you guys. Um, it's so important to know that the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard your heart from the evil one because the evil one tries. Okay, that's Second Thessalonians 3.3. 3. And then the second one is this, and this is one that I've taken comfort from so many times when pastoring. Even when we have no faith, <laughs> he remains faithful. Because he can't deny himself. And so even at times when the vision or the mandate or what God is requiring you to do terrifies you and you feel like you have no faith, he is faithful who promised who also will do it. Because I believe there's some big things on the horizon for this church, for the NCMI stream that we're in, and a team that we're a part of, and just what God is doing around the world, not just here. And you're a part of that. It's not just Erie, Colorado. It's, it's around the world. And, you know, God's grace will lead us through all of that. And we can take comfort in his word that he is faithful always. We love you both and know that we pray for this church and we pray for you as an eldership team. And we love, love, love you. And I think you've got a really good couple here. In fact, I don't just think so, I know it. And uh, so God's good, and the future is bright. Amen.
5: Um, I have sensed that the Lord has just given you guys such depth and such wisdom and such grace for seasons that other people look and go how do you do it how do you navigate that how do you? and you're like i don't know but you're doing it by the grace of god because your anchor is in him in him alone so chaos can be swirling around and you're anchored and it's not that you don't waver a little bit because the breeze is blowing but you're anchored in him and i just want to encourage you i really feel like the lord is saying adding to our team you are going to you have the pulse of the people you have the pulse of the community you have the pulse of kids you where we might not know what to do I feel like you adding to the team that's going to be one thing that the Lord's really going to use you is to to bring that pulse of well this is the temperature this is the gauge this is what God is saying just that that pulse that's steady that sometimes you can't hear but it's just you really have to listen to find that pulse and I'm so stinking excited to have you guys on our team. I was talking to their daughter on the way here this morning, and she's like, my friends were like, oh. She was inviting them to church, and they were like, I thought your parents were already pastors. And I'm like, Tonda, that's exactly right. They're already loving the people. You're already doing it. So we're so excited.
6: So as I was praying for you guys, um, the Lord just told me that he sees you as mighty men and women of valor and uh, that word valor means great courage in the face of danger especially in battle and the reality is we are in a battle but he calls you mighty men and women of valor and in judges 6:12 it says and the angel of the lord appeared to him and said to him the lord is with you you mighty man of valor gideon said to him O oh my lord if the lord is with us why then has all this happened to us and where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about saying did not the lord bring us up from egypt but now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? And in that, I just feel like the Lord's saying there's going to be so many things that he asks of you that you don't feel equipped to. As you read on that scripture, he's like, but, but my family is not of high standing and all of these things. But he says, have I not sent you? So just trust in the fact that the Lord has called you to this work and don't fear. Just stand in valor, encourage, um, you know, not of your own strength or your own doing, but because the Lord has called it to you to it.
0: Just one quick word. Um, if people ask you, well, what, what qualifies you to be elders? Like, wh- why you? Um, it's as simple as the call. And that's why it was so important that you heard from the Lord that he was calling you, not that we were choosing you, not that anyone else was, was identifying you, but that the Lord was calling you. And you don't ever have to make apologies for it, ever. It's the call of the Lord because of, of his bigness. He wants to use you in big ways for his glory. So um, I, a lot of times I look at myself and I say, I, I'm still just a graphic designer. you know. But he called this graphic designer um, so, we're thrilled to have you join this eldership, eldership team today. So,
1: yeah. Awesome. All right. Are, you, are your kids here? I mean, I saw there are about a thousand of there. Are they? If you guys want to come out, just come join us. I mean, I know you're not coming on to eldership, but it changes the dynamic of your whole family. So, come on out if you're okay to do that. You're wonderful. It's a great thing. It's awesome. Awesome. And I'm going to ask you, if this is your home church, if you wouldn't mind just stretching out your hand, we're going to just pray over them. And if you guys can just gather around you. And here's what I want to say to you. Uh, there's, an, there's an authenticity about you. Uh, it's, just, it's so refreshing. There's no, I guess you wear, I don't, I, you wear your heart on your sleeve in a sense. We know what you're getting. And I think that's absolutely liberating. Stay true. Stay authentic. And... Uh, it's probably lacking in the church, not this church globally, and so just be be you. That's all God wants. You guys, He doesn't want to make you into something. He's made you to be a part of this, and so you're gonna you, you, you're a piece of the puzzle that fits. You're not gonna have to find a fit. You fit. We we recognizing today what fits, and so just fit, <laughs> just be. And I think for you guys, obviously, you've had a great season of being the four of you. And it's, you've done really well. I really want to commend you guys for what you've walked through. No ways it's been easy in many seasons, but this is a new season. And while this has been real, today it becomes publicly recognized. Now it's like the season shift. What do you see? So lead like that, live like that, embrace. And use a local church, embrace the new season you're in. And I really do believe it's an occupy and possess season. I really do. And you're going to add to that. And, and so, uh, yeah, let's just pray and ordain these wonderful people. So, so, Father, we thank you this morning that it's you who chooses, you who calls. We, 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 we don't put our hands up and say, pick me. You pick, and we say yes. We thank you for this amazing couple, this family that are saying yes. Perhaps not fully understanding what they're saying yes to, but they're saying yes because they trust you. They love you enough to obey you. And so, Father, we thank you that you are and what we believe, what's already been set up in heaven, we're now recognizing here on earth. we simply doing your will this morning by bringing this wonderful couple, this family into this new season with this local church and ordaining this man as an elder, as a pastor, chosen by God, called and equipped. And even now as we lay hands in doing this, we believe all that is necessary and needed. Would you fan into flame right now? Would you give to Him, them? Even now, we just release over them this the, 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 the things, impartation, that will get them to be able to live in the finished work and to live in this season and lead these wonderful people. So, Father, we just pray blessing over them. I pray blessing over their marriage. We pray blessing over this family. Would you favor them in the season? And we just pray a fresh release, understanding, authority. I even feel like you're going to see things again, or we'll see things even in the word that you haven't seen before. God's giving you new eyes, Chris. Eyes to see. Even when I spoke on this morning, eyes. What do you see, Chris? Feel the Lord asking you then, and you'll be seen correctly as you speak out what He says. And so, Father, we just release into this couple now. We ordain them. We commission them into this season, into this life of this church, into into this leadership team, onto this eldership team, and we release them and commission them now into this new season of this church, Lord. All that they need, all that they desire, all that they require, would you give it to them right here, right now. You've equipped them and called them. Now we just commission them. Do it, Lord. Use them mightily, bless them even now. Impart to them all that is needed right now. We pray as we commission them into this calling. Believing this is what you want, God. And may you use them and continue to use this church. We pray. I pray for this uh, this team, this eldership team, that you would gel them together, that they would really uh, complement each other through their giftings, and that they would all embrace this new season. I feel like the Lord saying, "Open your hands." as a leadership team, and open your arms. Hands to receive and arms to embrace. Embrace the season you're in. Receive from above, but embrace. Arms of embracing the season that's on you and God says, I've shown you, I'll direct you, keep my, your eyes on me and I will guide you through this. And You'll look back and see it was the hand of the Lord that has done this. So we pray just fresh courage for this eldership team. And whatever has held them back, would it be broken in this time? And this is a new day, a new season of walking in the, the finished work as well as the promises to be fulfilled, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful, and magnificent name. Amen. 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 Awesome.